Welcome to Martha Runs the World, a podcast with a new take on running, fitness, and all things health-oriented. I'm Martha Hughes, your host, and each week I present a new topic that is of interest to all runners. Welcome to Martha Runs the World, episode 152. How are you today? I'm doing really good. We're moving along here. 2021 is almost over. I hope you're doing well. It's been nice and rainy this weekend, or today anyway. I'm actually very happy about all this rain. We really, really need it. And I walked home in the pouring rain today from the bus, and it was I enjoyed it very, very much. I worked this weekend, so that was fine. Anyway, enough about that. My guest today, Susie B., is an athlete, personal trainer, and she's the author of the book, Life Conscious. She talks to us a little bit about that, how she, at one time in her life, what her life was not going the direction she wanted to, so she had to turn it around, and her book, is about that and how she had to find the direction and steer everything into a more positive, a more productive direction that she liked. So I know you're going to like that. And after that, we'll talk Tales of the Trail, and I'll tell you a little bit about my own health progress. So here is Susie B., Will you please welcome to the program Susie B. She is author and creator of Life Conscious, and she's also an athlete and personal trainer. Hi, Susie. How are you? Hi, Martha. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us. Let's start from the beginning. You said that you were have been an athlete your whole life. What was your first sport? I've played soccer since I was four years old. Wow. So you really like doing that then? Yeah, I loved soccer when I was little and have played it all the way up until adulthood. But uh, okay. in between there, I did a million other sports too. Sports have been a huge part of my life and they still are. I love sports. Very nice. So what did you like the most about playing sports? I always played team sports because I'm an extrovert and I love to be around other people. And uh, when I was little, I just liked to be with my friends, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what pulled me in there was just to to move around, to get out some energy and to play with my friends. And then as I grew up a little bit, I really got into the human body. Once I, I took an anatomy and physiology class when I was 12 and in seventh grade, and I was forever changed. <laughs> I love the human body. And ever since then, I just, I always was fascinated by how you can change your entire physiology by just pushing yourself a little harder and doing something a little different, changing something, trying something new. So I was always trying to push myself and and experience new things with my body. It really makes a difference when you understand how things work, doesn't it? It really does. People always talk about your why. That's my why. (laughs) Wow. I'm fascinated by the body and I love to see what it can do, which then led me to a career to help other people to understand their bodies and do the same thing of, you know, learning that little tiny changes can make a massive difference in who you are, the way you feel, the way you look and what you're able to do with your amazing gift. Because you started with soccer, you were always a runner then. Yes. I've always loved to to run. Um, in when I was little, I, I loved to just, you know, when you're little, you just have lots of energy and I just love to run around and I was pretty fast as a kid. So I always liked to race, Um, even when I was in like fifth and sixth grade, I remember we'd always have races and we had this big field in our elementary school yard and I'd always race the other kids and (laughs) I've always loved to run and to race. You know, if we, if we ran like little kids, we'd all be just in great shape. I always say that my four-year-old just runs everywhere. If I'm like, Hey, go grab your shoes. And they're like three feet away. He'll run. (laughs) (laughs) There should be a workout program, work out like a (laughs) five-year-old. It would be very effective. I promise. I think so. We have fun doing it too, because they always have fun. Yes. So, so when did you start doing triathlons? So actually my very first triathlon event was when I was in sixth grade track. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. They had a, they had, they called it the triathlon and it was just on the sixth grade track team. And so the events were the softball throw and the 100 meter dash and (laughs) the hurdles or high jump. I can't remember. 
That's embarrassing. I should remember that. Anyway, <laughs> either high jump or hurdles. And it must have been high jump because that was the first year I high jumped. And yeah, it was really fun to try three different things. While the other kids were all training for one or two events, I was training for three. And I thought that was fascinating. I've always been a a sort of distracted person. <laughs> and so I like to have lots of things to do instead of just, I'm not good at focusing on one. And so triathlons as a little kid were entertaining for me in that I got to do lots of different things at once. And then as I got older, um, when I got into, you know, middle school, high school races, the races just kept getting longer and longer and longer, right? I would love the mile. And when they introduced the two mile, I was like, oh, I don't like the two mile. It's too far. But I love the mile. And then uh, when when I got into college, I loved the 5Ks, but my roommates were always on two of my roommates were on the cross country team. So they were always trying to get me to do half marathons and marathons. And I just was like, that's just too long to do one thing. And so uh, my brother actually asked me to do a, a sprint triathlon with him when I was probably 19. And he and I are very competitive. We're both athletes and very competitive against each other. And so when he asked me to do it, I was like, well, yeah. <laughs> and so it was a bike and a run and a swim. And I didn't even own a bike. And so I went to the to the thrift store and I bought a bike and I spray painted it. And I trained on this $10 bike for this race. And then I swam like probably three times total. <laughs> it was not a great deal of training, but I trained well on the run because that's what it was easy and what I like to do. And so I ran my very first sprint triathlon with my brother and we convinced my mom to do it with us. My mom is very fit and very um, into fitness and, and exercise. So we asked her to do it with us. That was her first triathlon too. So the three of us did it and I actually ended up beating my brother by 30 seconds. And <laughs> <laughs> to this day, you still tell, remind oh, him about for that. Oh, for sure. Yes. I'm happy to share that information. <laughs> <laughs> he great. beat me in, in two of the events, but I had beat him in one event and the time, the total overall ended up being 30 seconds difference. So it was pretty funny. <laughs> That's awesome. So we know you're a great runner, but what is your weakest event, the swimming or the cycling? I was a terrible swimmer until I took a swimming lesson as an adult. I was 19. Like I said, I was 19 and I worked at a gym and there was a swimming pool at my gym. And while I was training for this event, I, I taught boot camp classes. And so I asked one of the swim teachers, I said, Hey, would you teach a swim class to my boot camp? And he was like, sure. And so we did a boot camp class in the pool with this swim teacher. And afterwards I asked him, I just said, Hey, I'm training for this mini triathlon sprint thing. And and would you be able to help me with just a little bit of form thinking I was like a decent swimmer? And he's like, sure. And so he and I spent a half an hour, 30 minutes in the pool together. And I dropped three minutes off my swim time after just one 30 minute swim lesson. It was unbelievable. Wow. <clears throat> so then my worst event became the bike <laughs> because all of a sudden I was a decent swimmer because of this one lesson. So if you don't have confidence in your swimming abilities, take one lesson and watch how amazing it is. Yeah. If you know, yeah. a little bit of technique, it'll take you far. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So why should runners try a triathlon? Just because it's something so different that it's good for your body and it's good for your mind. And it's good for your lungs. Obviously, you breathe way differently in a pool than you do when you're running. Uh, you have to time your breath. You have It changes how your lungs work. And when you have that focus, when you have to consciously breathe in a certain rhythm, then that also connects your body and mind in a different way. The mind-body connection for athletes is huge. If you are in control of what you think happens in your body, then you're able to go so much further. And Swimming is a very unique way to do that um, because you have to be consciously aware of how you're breathing and how you're moving and all of these other things that are so different than running. I just emphasize the different because running, um, I mean, you can get a lot of different kinds of runs. You've got trail running, you've got speed running, you've got track racing, you've got hills, you've got all these different kinds of running, but your breath doesn't really change a lot. You don't have to... Um, really master how you breathe differently. But in a pool, it's totally different. And then on a bike, it's also totally different because of the way that your body sits. If you are unaware of your posture, 
then by the time you get off the bike, your low back is hurting. (laughs) But if you're aware, it just, it just brings up a different body awareness, basically to do three different events or four or five, you know, whatever you're working on. If you're doing different things with your body, it teaches you to understand your body a little bit differently so that you're really connected to it. And a lot of runners come up with issues that are overuse injuries that, you know, if you had had a little bit of awareness, maybe you have a foot turnout that your foot turns out to the right, just, you know, half of an inch over 10 years of running, you're going to have a knee issue on the inside of your knee. Which, if you had a little bit more body awareness, then you would have been able to solve that problem and that knee issue never would have happened. Yeah, that is true. How can they fit all those different sports into a busy schedule? We'll be right back. Hey, quick question for you. Are you someone who wants to be fit, healthy, and happy? And what if I told you you could get your dream body by simply just listening to a podcast? I'm Josh. And I'm KG. And we are the hosts of the Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast. Listen, we get it. Fitness isn't easy. Carbs, no carbs. Just stop, okay? It doesn't have to be that complicated. And that's why we made this podcast. We get straight to the facts so you can become your best you. So the way to check us out is click the link in the show notes or search Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast on any of the major podcast platforms. We'll see you soon. Absolutely. A lot of people are intimidated by the training schedule of this kind of thing because you're like, well, now I have to train for three events instead of one, but it really doesn't change your training schedule. It just changes the frequency of each event. Mm -hmm. A lot of runners think that they need to get in, you know, three long runs in a week and, and two interval training sessions and then, and two jog sessions or whatever in, in every single week, which are really good. But if you think about the reason behind each of those events, you know, your long runs are for your endurance, your sprint runs are for your speed mechanism. And if you're, um, and your longer, um, slower jogs are for a little bit of recovery, you Mm -hmm. can put that into your other event training, your longer runs, your endurance can be on the bike. Your sprint training can be in the pool because you're working the same level of oxygen and the same muscle um, in, in contraction that you are on a sprint run. And so instead of thinking, well, now I have to train for three, you just sub out for your other events. When I'm training for a race, I almost never train for more than an hour a day. Like it's not a really intense training regimen. If you're training for a marathon or something where your actual event is three and four hours long, then you need to have extra time for that. But for sprint triathlon, for me, that's another reason I love those is because the event itself is only an hour and a half hour, two hours long. So my training sessions don't have to be longer than an hour. I'm a busy mom of four kids. I run a business. I do all these other things. And fitness is an exercise is a part of who I am. It's a part of the way I live, but it's also part of how I enjoy life. And if I turn it into something that I hate, then I'm not going to stick with it. But if it just fits into how I'm already doing it, sorry, I didn't interrupt you. Oh, no, that's fine. Go ahead. If it just fits right in and it's just part of what I'm already doing, then I'll definitely stick with it. And it's really easy to just go from regular workout to race training workout. Yeah, that fits in very well. I mean, a sprint triathlon is is way different than doing an Ironman. I mean, you're, you, definitely. Yeah. You, you, you find a nice niche for yourself that works out perfectly. That's great. Yeah. And I was just going to say to, to emphasize that point. um, One thing that I talk a lot about with my friends, my family and my clients is chasing your own personal happiness. And if you know, if you know what makes you happy, then you're able to find that. If you love to go on your two, three, four hour runs and you love to just be, you know, in that constant endurance, then marathon running is absolutely something you should pursue. If, on the other hand, you love to just push it really hard for 40 minutes to an hour, then maybe a sprint try is for you. And once you understand what makes you happy, then you are able to find that happiness because you can chase your own dream. There's so many books out there and there's so many, you know, podcasts and everything else about there, out there about how to train for these races. But if, if that kind of exercise doesn't fit with you, with your personality, with what you want, then it's not going to be something that you're going to do long-term. I'm not saying don't try new things because I think that's great. Absolutely. Try it. See if you love it. And if you do, then you have a new thing in your life that makes you happy. But if you try it 
and you don't love it, then you'll know that, you know what, this was awesome once, but it's not something I need to make part of my daily routine. That is really important to know. You, it's nice to, to discover things that, that maybe you've read about or your friends are doing and things like that. But if it doesn't spark an interest or a happiness inside you, then it's not for you. Mm-hmm. Did you have to be dedicated to something to put so much time and, and money and effort into it? If it's not something you love, why are you doing it? Exactly. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah. So now you, the book you wrote, you, now you wrote a book and can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. My book is called Life Conscious by Susie B. It's available mm-hmm. on Amazon. And it is about, I mean, if you think of the word conscious, what comes to mind? Being awake, being mm-hmm. aware, being intentional. And life conscious then just means living your life that way. A lot of us let time pass and just let life happen. And this book is about how to take back control and make life happen and be able to find happiness all along the way. I am obsessed with the journey to happiness and how we can find that in our lives every single day, not just at the end and not just at a destination, but all along the journey and how that motivates us to keep going. So this book starts out with how we can become more conscious and more aware of how we live daily, and then how we can harness our superpowers, which are your conscious and subconscious mind, which is another reason the book is called Conscious, Life Conscious, is once you learn how to use your conscious mind to fill your subconscious with amazing habits, you are able to overcome the overwhelm. You're able to take back control. You're able to master every single part of your life, every aspect of your life, but you only have to do one at a time. It takes out all of the pressure. It takes out all of the guilt and it takes out all of the constant hustle bustle that we're all fighting against. So like, let me give you an example. At the beginning of the year, New Year's resolutions, right? People set those and they say, I'm going to lose weight and I'm going to pay off my debt and I'm going to, you know improve my marriage and I'm going to be a better parent and I'm going to whatever, whatever. These are all good things. But if you take them all on at the same time, your brain is like a pinball machine, like boing, 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 like your attention is being spread everywhere. But on the other hand, if you learn to do one of those things at a time, focus on that one thing and form some daily habits, work on those for 40 to 60 days in a row So you can build some patterns, some consistency, and your brain will understand the process. Then those start to become habits. They don't, you don't have to think about them anymore. They just become natural. They're part of who you are. And then all of a sudden your mind is free. Your conscious is free again because your subconscious is doing those habits for you. Mm -hmm. So by harnessing the power of your amazing mind, you're able to make progress in every area of your life one at a time. And then you've got these incredible habits going on in the background that you don't have to think about that are just part of the way you live. And it's amazing the progress you can make by just focusing on one thing at a time. So that's kind of what the book is about. And then it talks a little bit about my story, how I discovered this in my, um, both in my, in my fitness career and my um, personal training. And then also in my battle with postpartum depression, how I learned to apply this to mental health. And then I applied it to parenting and marriage and all of these other things. And then the second half of the book is how you can apply those to the process. It teaches you the process. It teaches you how to set goals, how to form habits. And then once you figure out how the process works, the second half of the book teaches you how to apply those, that process to five main pillars that most people want to work on in their lives. Those pillars are your self-love, your mental health, your physical health, your faith, finances, and family. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. So you had to work it out through yourself first. Oh, yeah. That's totally how this came to be. My book kind of fell out of me because of um, when I was, I had had my fourth baby. And then for a year and a half after that, I just struggled. Like I didn't feel like myself. I had no motivation to do anything. And I was just not happy. Mm -hmm. I felt angry all the time. And I just didn't feel like me. And I, the little things that used to make me happy didn't anymore. And I just was so confused. And so I finally saw a doctor after a year and a half of this and they put me on some medication for um, depression, for postpartum depression. And I decided that I didn't want to be on medication forever. And so I took what I consider to be divine intervention. I applied my 
60 day um, healthy habits program that I've been running with my clients for years in personal training. Um, I applied that to my mental health and my self love and started doing daily habits like affirmation and meditation and, and prayer and things like that, that I maybe had neglected for a while. And once I figured out those simple little things I could do every day that meant something to me, I absolutely got my life back. <laughs> I totally was me again. And it opened my eyes to the potential for growth that I have by just thinking differently, by just focusing on one thing at a time. And so then, you know, I, I say that I turned the darkest, hardest year of my life into the happiest year of my life because I went crazy with this program. And every two months I would, I would create new habits and new goals and I would go for it for 60 days at a time. And that year I developed those five areas of my life. Those, my finances, faith, family, my physical health and my self-love. That's what I worked on that year. And it absolutely changed the way I see the world. That makes sense because that's like the, the, that's the core really. If, if you work on the core, then it's, it's like the foundation of a house. If you work on the foundation, then everything else rises up from it. Absolutely. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. You also wrote that, that, um, running doesn't have to be hard. How do we keep it from getting difficult? Yeah, definitely. So a lot of times people think that exercise needs to be, like I talked about at the beginning of this, that mm-hmm. it needs to be yeah. something that you push yourself to the next level and you're constantly striving and going and doing more and more and more and more and more. And then at some point your body is going to say, stop. <laughs> Either you're going to get an injury or you're going to get really sick or you're just going to tire yourself out and all of a sudden you hate the sport that you used to love. So the way to prevent that from happening is again, to connect with yourself, to figure out what it is that makes you happy. So one way that I did this was when, you know, after I had been doing sprint triathlons and, and I ran track in college and all of this really competitive stuff, I was constantly timing myself and tracking distance and pushing to the next level. And then all of a sudden I was just like tired and I just didn't want to anymore. And so then I started running without tracking distance and I started not timing myself and I would just run to run and I would run however slow or however fast I felt like that day. Some days I would walk, some days I would jog, some days I would sprint my little heart's heart out and it was amazing. I never had to compare myself to what I had done before. I never had to, you know, make sure that, oh, well, there was no disappointment involved. It was just running to run. And this was different than anything I'd ever done in my life. This was just a couple of years ago, probably five years ago that I did this. And I called it my yin versus yang because I'm very yang. I always want to know distances and tracking and I'm very, you know, aware of that kind of thing. And that's what I'm constantly running through my mind. And so this was my yin. Like it was totally different. I didn't pay attention. I just ran the way I felt. And it was an amazing break. I, I ran like this for probably two years before I started racing and tracking again. And for that period, it was exactly what I needed. I didn't have to stop exercising. I didn't have to change anything. All I did was listen to myself, listen to my body and what I needed and follow that. So I would say that is how you make running not hard is you listen to what you need that day. Maybe Mm -hmm. you're training for a race. Maybe you are right in the thick of it and you know that you need to cut down on time or you need to improve your stride length or whatever it is that you're working on. But maybe some days you wake up and you just think, today is the day I need to just chill. (laughs) Maybe I just need to run around the block with my kids and just, you know, make this be a relaxing time. Allow yourself to do that. I think give yourself permission to do what feels good that day. Is the best way to do it. Yeah, that makes total sense. You, you have to, I mean, get, get out of the, um, rat race, really. I mean, you, you have to stop the pressure on yourself and, and just take it easy a little bit and discover why you started in the first place. Exactly. Yeah. Now, if, if you are in a race and things are not going your way, what do you do you do to switch it up or to make it make yourself keep going? So usually there's two reasons that are hap- that happen because that, that make it so that you're not running the race you want. One is because physically you were not ready or you already pushed too hard or something was off physically. Maybe you started your period that morning or something, you know, there's something physical that is causing this disruption. 
If that's the case, if you have that mind-body connection and you've been working with yourself and listening to what you feel and, and being in control of that connection, then you're able to tell, okay, this is something physical. I can walk for a minute. Allow yourself, give yourself permission to take what it is that you need. Um, I was, I was doing a, a 50 mile bike race with my mom who I said, you know, she bikes a million miles every day. And we were at, this was her first 50 mile race probably 10 years ago. And at the last 10 miles, she just was exhausted and she just was not in the right mindset anymore. The first 30 miles, she was loving it and just having so much fun. And then all of a sudden on like mile 38 or 39, she was just beat. And she's like, I don't know if I want to continue. I don't know if I need to or whatever. So I just said, Hey, you know what? At this next um, check station, let's just take a minute. And they actually happened to have a massage table there. So we stopped for 10 whole minutes during the middle of this race. We just stopped for 10 minutes and she got a massage and she got some snacks and she just took a minute for herself. And then she finished that race like a boss. Like it was amazing to be able to just stop for a second. You know what? 10 minutes in your race is not going to be the end of the world. Like if there's a physical reason that your race is not going well, listen to that, pay attention to that. Sometimes you can push through that kind of thing. And other times it's better for you if you just take a minute and, and listen and, and respond to what it is that you need. And the other thing that can happen is a mental block. Maybe you're having a bad day. Maybe your mind is racing and you're thinking about something else. Maybe you're you had a fight with somebody that morning and mentally you're just not there. That kind of thing is a little bit in your control and a little bit not in your control. <laughs> and if, again, if you just take a minute to set your mind on what you are doing and what you have already accomplished, the best thing you can do here is a little bit of positivity. Instead of focusing on, oh, that needed to be a 730 mile and it was 815. Like I'm already way behind. If you're negative with your self-talk, your race is going to continue to show that. Mm -hmm. If, on the other hand, you take a minute and you say, you know what? I'm six miles in and I'm still running. That's awesome. I have done six miles so far. Let's keep this going. It doesn't matter what the time was. Bag that, whatever. Let's start right now. This is what I can control. This mile right here that I'm in, this is the one where I'm going to turn it around. Then all of a sudden, you have a little bit of mental motivation to keep going this thought process, what it actually does is it releases chemicals in your brain that tell you, you can keep going. When you're in a race, your oxygen stores are being depleted in lots of weird ways. And sometimes your mind can play tricks on you. And, you know, if you get in that negative mindset where you're just headed straight down and you're, oh, that needed to be faster. And I need to be doing this need, 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 can't, 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 that's going to continue to happen. But on the other hand, if you just have what I call one happy thought, that immediately shifts the direction of where your self-talk is headed and takes you, you know, entirely upward versus downward. So if you have one happy thought, this is my motivational tool. This is my motivational magic tool that I, I use with all of my clients. If you have one happy thought that you truly believe about yourself that you can just pull out of your pocket anytime you need it, that will absolutely help you to create that positivity shift. So let's do this exercise here right now. Often I start with, Ask yourself in regard to what you're working on. So this, we're talking about running. So your physical okay. um, health here. What is your favorite thing about yourself, about your body, about your physical body? What is your favorite thing about yourself? <sighs> oh my goodness. <laughs> right it's now. a loaded question, right? It is because I just got over surgery, so I can't run right now. But um, I am um, resilient. Beautiful. Yes. Awesome. I love that. So it took you like two seconds to come up with that, right? Yes. Yeah. You had to think for a second, but it wasn't hard because there's always something about always yourself something. you can attach with. If this is hard for you, for you listeners, if you're trying to come up with something and you can't call your best friend, call yeah. your sister, yeah. call your running buddy, they will help you come up with something or if not many things. And then the more often you repeat that thing to yourself, the easier it is to pull that up when you need it. And this is kind of your, your backup plan when you need, you know, how they call for backup on those on, in, <laughs> in, in difficult situations. This is your calling for backup from yourself. And so for me, I love my calves. I love my calves. <laughs> Ever since I was seventh grade mile runner, I've always been a toe runner. So I have, I have well-shaped calves and they're disproportionately large for the rest of my body. And so when I have 
times of difficulty where I start to think, oh, I wish my body looked different or I wish I could do better or whatever. I always think, you know what, though? I have great calves. (laughs) (laughs) And just that one positive thought has so much power to turn around the direction of where you're mentally headed. That is really true. I really like that. I, I really, I do like that a lot. You, one positivity. It's just like, no matter, I mean, right now, I, like, I just had surgery last month. So I'm just getting, I had a hip replacement. So I'm just, I'm walking, I'm getting back into it. And then, so I, I, I will run again probably in January. So I'm getting That's back great. into things, you know, so it, it's taking a little time and it's, it's just, it's difficult right now. So, but. I am resilient because no matter what happens to me, I keep going. It just, no matter what happens, I, I'm like the energizer bunny. I just keep going and going and going. So that, that's amazing. Resiliency is, is my like little, you know, my, 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 um, is, is, is always in my pocket. So that I always think of myself. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Awesome that you know that about yourself. I love it. Well, I'm a little stubborn too. So stubbornness, I guess you could say, but I, I like to put the positive spin on it and call it hey, resilience. All about positivity. You would tell the story in your head. You say it however you want. <laughs> I'm just not going to stop. That's all there is to that. Awesome. <laughs> and the reason you believe that is probably because you've proven that to yourself before. I have. I've run through, I've run a couple of 50 Ks with, with a bad hip. So that, <sighs> oh amazing. my God, it hurts so bad. It hurts so bad, but I finished. I finished. Yes. Amazing. That's amazing. Yes, I did. <laughs> so, yeah. But, um, cause I wasn't going to stop and I love doing it too much. So, <laughs> but absolutely. If you love it, then just yep. you know, make I, it happen. Absolutely love it. And when I, and when I start running again, I'll be able to go longer with a good hip and it won't hurt. So. That's going to be amazing. Oh, what a yes. change that will be. I'm excited for you. Right. So, um, what's your most memorable race moment? What's one time in in a race that you've done that you just can did you just can remember back on and think that was the most amazing thing I I can think of? Mm, let's see. Besides beating your brother, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's up there for sure. Yeah. Uh, okay, there was one when I was in college. I was not good at the. I was a heptathlete, and so there were seven events that we did in a two day period. And I was not good at the 200 and it was our last event every time. And I'm a, you know, I'm a mile runner. So 200 doesn't come easily to me. And so every practice and every time we would time these things, I would just get so frustrated with myself. Like, you know, my points can be averaging well on these other events. And then all of a sudden the 200 hits and my average tanks. And I'm like, what do I got to do to overcome this? And there was one time we were at at U U of M University of Montana and I ran the best 200 of my life and it was terrible weather. <laughs> it was raining and it was miserable. And at the beginning, I just remember at that start line, I just thought, I'm not going to let anything stop me today. And I'm not going to pay attention to the other lanes. I was in lane eight, so you can't even see the other runners. And I just remember starting that race and just saying, I am going to go guts out. I'm not going to pace. I'm just going to go as hard and fast as I can because I've been training for this. This was like probably, I don't know, more than halfway into the season. So I'd been training well for this race. And I just remember at that raining, wet, sopping wet starting line, I just remember getting in those blocks and thinking, I'm going to crush this race. And then when I crossed that finish line, I didn't even pay attention. I don't even remember what place I got against the other runners. I just know that my points for that race were the highest I'd ever had any other race. And I was so proud of myself. It had, all the circumstances were stacked against me, lane eight, terrible weather, all of these things. But I just remember telling myself, this is what I'm going to do. And when I crossed that finish line, I had done it. And I was so proud of myself. I love the memory of that race. I loved the heptathlon and doing all those races, but that U of M race was particularly memorable. That is spectacular. What a wonderful memory. Do you have any big races coming up for next year? I actually haven't signed up for any races right now just because COVID they keep canceling and they're coming back and forth and I can't decide what to do. And so I don't have any that I'm um, starting for right now, but I have started just at home, my mile um, timing, my miles again. Mm -hmm. So every morning I just get up and I run a timed mile and I've been working toward that. And I finally reached sub seven this week, which I've been working at for a while. I'm so excited and 
Um, so that's been my, my personal race. I haven't signed up for any races, but I've been racing for my, for my sub seven mile. And this week, actually, I reached it. So that is really, really great. Good for you. That's, Thank you. I don't think I've ever gotten sub 10. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, well, I'm you're not only running one that helps. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a sprinter. I, I, I go long and slow. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. You know that about yourself. So that's great. <laughs> Actually, I think, I think once maybe 30 years ago, I, I got a, I got a nine minute mile. So that's about as fast as I go. <laughs> that's amazing. And that's another thing I always talk about is your race is different than my race and it should be like, there's no comparison in running, which I love about runners they usually is there's always that support system of (laughs) did you beat yourself that's the only race you're racing and I love that about the running community is that that is such a PR goal and not first place you're not running for a place you're running for a personal record yep now now I have one last question that I ask all my my running or or my my athlete guests, if you could do any race anywhere in the world, what would you do? Either the Disneyland half or the Golden Gate 5K. I really oh, want to run fun. across the Golden Gate Bridge and I really want oh. to run through Disneyland. <laughs> fun. fun. Well, those two are both high on my list. You know, you could do the Disneyland with your kids too, you know. Yeah, I think that would be fun. They have like a, a one mile and a 5K and then they yeah. also have a half. And I would want to do the half because it runs all the way through both parts. Oh, fun. Fun. And they have a whole parade and the whole thing. And it sounds really, really fun. The, the, last, the only other half marathon I've done was was in Salt Lake City, Utah. And the finish line runs through their outdoor mall and so for the last half mile the street is just lined with thousands of people and the whole time you're just getting cheered for and it's so fun and i hear that that's what it's like in the disneyland one the entire time halves are not that that. long halves are not that long it's only 13 miles (laughs) it's not long exactly (laughs) (laughs) yeah well thank you so much for joining me i really appreciate it this has been a lot of fun. I'm going to have to get your book because it really, really sounds great. Uh, it really sounds like like something that that many of us could learn a lot from. It's called Life Conscious, and there'll be a link for that and all of Susie's information on the website. And thank you very much for joining us today, and have a great rest of your week and a great holiday. Thank you, Martha. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week. Okay, bye-bye. You know, my guests are really terrific. I appreciate everything Susie talked about and worked so hard on because you know self-improvement and work on our own health and mental emotional health is the hardest thing in the world it's really difficult to sit down with ourselves and say you know my life is not going the way I want it to and I have to change it I alone have to change this no one else can do it for me I have to do the hard work I have to really get in there and do it it's one thing to Oh, clean your living room. It's another thing to clean our emotional attitudes. <laughs> They're both hard, right? But it's really hard to get one into the frame of mind and and the frame the attitude to have a really positive productive life. It's not easy. It really is not easy. And I have great compassion and empathy towards people who are not there and who want to get there. I, I really do. I've been there. I, I'm still working on myself. I'm not, I'm a work in progress. I'm not there yet. I'm getting there. I'm doing much better. There was a time in my life when um, my life was just not great. <laughs> it really was not great. And I felt so sorry for myself. And I was just angry at the world and things were just not, not good. But now, yeah, is my life perfect? Absolutely not. But it is getting there. It's much better. Things are good. Things are on the way up. And even if they're not, even if things sometimes are bad or negative or not good, I'm not going to say bad, not good, I can handle it. And I can even look at the positives when things are not going great. And Susie B., I thank you for being on the show. You are just such a positive force and a positive beam of light. And I really, I all the links for your book and everything, your personal training, everything will be on the website, MarthaRunsTheWorld.com, so that listeners can go and, and check it out because it's really worthwhile. You're just a, a ray of sunshine 
seriously, my, I love my guests. They're just awesome. But you, you did it yourself and you got yourself. I mean, postpartum depression, I imagine, I don't know, is, is no joke. No joke at all. Millions suffer from it. And it can be just a horrible thing. And if you can pull yourself out of it and, and make something amazing out of it, that's spectacular. As far as I'm concerned, I, I think that's just great. So well done. And thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. All right. Now, Tales of the Trail is up next. Okay, Tales of the Trail. We haven't had this for a few weeks. I know we've had a couple special shows because of the holidays and and but you know the Christmas buying show and the Thanksgiving show. But now we're back in the groove and going to do it. Try to do it every week. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to have it on the New Year's show. We'll see. I don't know. I may may not. We'll see what's going on. And I have three races I'm going to talk about today. The Hunter S. Thompson Fear and Loathing Race. This is kind of like a, a fat-ass kind of race where there's no entry fee, there's no aid stations, there's no prize money, there's no medal. You just kind of sign in and just do it. Um, there are cutoffs, but if you don't make them, oh well. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. It just doesn't matter. Uh, it happened December 5th and it happened, it happens in San Francisco. There's a 50 mile and a 50 K and it, there's basically, it's a circle around San Francisco. The 50 K is one circle. And I think the 50 mile is like one, cir two circles or partially two circles, something like that. And the first, now the 50 mile results, I have the top three and the winner is a female runner, Rachel and Trekin, she finished it in seven hours, 56 minutes, and no seconds. That's very fast. Good going, Rachel. The, the second finishers were two, two male runners. Yasushi Saito finished in seven hours and 57 minutes, and Daniel Bucci in eight hours and 24 minutes. I know several runners who did this, mostly doing the, um, 50k and some do it seriously and got really good good times and others just had just had fun with it and finished and never made the cutoffs <laughs> and they kept telling me yeah we never made any of the cutoffs we stopped and got breakfast and we stopped and got coffee and then we got lunch and then we got ice cream and then we got donuts and then we got this and we we never made any of the cutoffs and we finished and we finished after 10 hours <laughs> So if they just they just kind of walked and had a good time, I don't think I could even walk that far and eat that much food. <laughs> I mean, they they stopped and had had dim sum and this and that and this and that and just walked the whole time. <laughs> That's pretty funny. That is pretty funny. I love that. I love that attitude. That just that just had a good time with it. So that's pretty cool. What a fun day. And it was a good weekend. It was beautiful weather. They didn't have this weekend's weather with all the rain. So good. They lucked out. And if you want to do that, that is called the Hunter S. Thompson Fear and Loathing Race. It's been happening for decades. It's crazy, crazy, fun, do-it-yourself do race. I think you do have to register, though, if you want to do it. All right. Now, a different kind of race happened in Texas. The Brazos Bend 100 miler happened in Needville, Texas, which is just outside of Houston. And that happens in December. And that, um, that is a, it, there's a, there's a loop. I'm not sure how long the loop is. That's a hundred mile race. And usually when that happens, it's really cold. And you go along this loop and you can see alligators. And usually if it's really cold, you only maybe see one or two, but it was quite warm. I think it was like in the eighties or nineties. So there were lots of gators out. So there were lots of gator sightings. So you can run along and see alligators. The top, 
runners in that race. The first, the winner in the men's was Mark Hammond, who finished in 14 hours, one minute and 20 seconds. Mark Heider finished in 14 hours, 38 minutes and six seconds. Luis Resendis finished in 15 hours, 18 minutes and 58 seconds. The women runners. Now, the funny part about it is the third overall was actually a female runner, Kaylee, Kaylee Demergian finished 15 hours, two minutes and 13 seconds. She was third overall. So she beat Louise, Louise, Megan Eckert, Eckert finished 16 hours, 51 minutes and 23 seconds. And Lisa Galvin finished 21 hours, 49 minutes and 32 seconds. That's a very fast race. It's very flat. I mean, there are no hills outside of Houston. There's nothing. It's very flat. And if you do very good in, in hot, humid weather, or at least flat anyway, this year was hot and humid. So if you do good in that kind of weather, you would do, have done well this year. All right. And the last race I want to talk to is the Desert Solstice that happened this weekend, 24-hour track race at Central High School in Phoenix, Arizona. It's on a track. 24 hours, I that has absolutely zero interest to me. But if you like flat and fast in warm weather, that's the race for you. If you can go around a track for 24 hours, yeah, have fun. <laughs> so Aravipa covers covered it on YouTube this weekend. They covered the whole thing. If you could, if you want to watch it, they covered it, and. And they do such a great job if you want to watch it. If you want to watch it, they, they, they just do the best coverage of ultra race, ultra races of anyone out there. Aravipa does the best. No one does it like them. Nick Curry broke the American record with 173.01 miles. He just, he busted that wide open. So good going, Nick. He did a great job. And because I can't count, I actually have four races I'm talking about this week in Tales of the Trail. I I also want to give the totals for the top three in SIM from last week. That is the California International Marathon. That happened uh, the first week of December. I love that race. That's my favorite road marathon. And if I ever do another one again, I will do that one. So SIM happens... If you ever want to do it, Sim happens. It starts in the little town of Folsom, which is right by Folsom Lake. And it's basically a very gradual downhill that goes from Folsom through the little suburbs and the countryside towards Sacramento and ends right at the capital of California, the capital building of California in Sacramento. It's a beautiful marathon. It's in the cold part of the year, so you get cold weather, but it's really nice. I just love it. And if you ever want to do it, the the crowds are out there. The whole course, there's crowds, even in the countryside, even by the cow pastures and everything. There are crowds. It's really fun. It's well run. It has the best expo I've ever seen in, in a marathon. So that is my favorite. I just love it. It's really fun, and you make it a whole long weekend out of it. It's great. Okay, so here are the totals. Brendan Gregg won at 2 hours, 11 minutes, 21 seconds. Rory Linkletter, 2 hours, 12 minutes, and 52 seconds. Nick Hogger won 2 hours, 12 minutes, and 59 seconds. And the women's Sarah Vaughn won 2 hours, 26 minutes, and 53 seconds. All the all the times are very close. Molly Graybill, two hours, twenty nine minutes and seventeen seconds. Carrie Dimoff, two hours, twenty nine minutes and thirty three seconds. It's a fast marathon. Even slow folks like me run their fastest marathons at this marathon. It's it's not slow. Even us, us slow folks go faster than we went at any other marathons. Let me tell you. All right, so that is Sim, and that is Tales of the Trail this week. So let me just get you a little update on my hip and everything. I am not having any pain at all. 
the only time I had pain was when I walked three miles last week, and at the very teeny little bit of the end, I had a little pain. But other than that, no, I'm not having any pain at all. I can really do things. It feels great. I'm doing my workouts. I am doing everything my physical therapist tells me to do. I'm just, I'm following the orders. I'm do, being a good little girl. And yes, I'm doing all the things I should. And I'm trying to stick to my eating plan. I'm lost 17 pounds, so I'm sticking with it. I really, really am. So yeah, things are going okay. So I will walk, I'm going to walk four miles and this week, and I'm going to try to do a longer walk over next weekend, and I'll tell you how that goes next week. So that is my progress, and I hope you are doing well. I hope you have great runs and walks this week, and we will talk next week. And Everything will be on the website, MarthaRunsWorld.com. I hope you can decide to become a Patreon patron. It would help the show an awful lot. You do that at MarthaRunsWorld.com. And please send in your race reports. I'm still waiting for those. Please, people, send me the race that you did, where it was, what distance you did, how it went, and why you like it so much. And that would be really terrific. It would be fun to read those on Tales of the Trail. You can send email those to MarthaRunsWorld at gmail.com. And until next week, let's tie up our shoelaces and go for a run.